Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard to today's Sunday special. Now we're recording this during the week, but we're playing it here on Sunday night with a man who I don't think needs any introduction. He's probably in more news today than anybody else on the face of the planet, other than maybe Kanye West, Elon Musk, and, uh, uh, and God himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Alex Jones. Alex, thank you for joining us here at Human Events. Jack, love your work. You've always done a great job, but you're really a thoroughbred these days and, and so glad you're out there fighting the tyrants. But yeah, I've definitely gotten the global deep state's attention. I'm definitely the uh, Democrat Party's chew toy. Well, Alex, also I want to say thanks because, you know, we you played a segment of ours from, on your show, I think on your Sunday show last week. And, uh, you know, we were just explaining here on the program, my, my view of this is, is that setting aside, right, the issue of the case itself, what they've done here in your in this instance to you is create a new precedent and a new playbook. And you're seeing that played out against whether it be Kanye West and George Floyd right now, because he said, well, hey, I, look, I saw this documentary and I'm looking at the coroner's report and said this guy had a lethal dose of fentanyl. So I think he died. Well, now he's being sued by the family. Right. This is the new playbook. And they're going to use this on everybody they want to, if they want to rein somebody in, or as the Chinese, the Chinese have a saying, an ancient saying in China, where they said, you kill the chicken to scare the monkeys, right? So it's not even necessarily about what they're doing to one person, even though what they're doing right there is part of it. It's also the effect it has on the rest of society. What do you think they're trying to do here? Well, that's right. They're trying to send a message. So they took a few things I said out of context, blew it all up made it a huge media issue, went and told the families I've been mean to them. They admitted it on the stand. They didn't hear about it until they got approached by the Democrats like four years ago. Then they sue me, and then the judge finds me guilty with default. Then all they hear is evidence against me out of context. Then they judge uh, you know, me guilty for a billion dollars. And the Democrats have been all over every major channel saying, once we get the Alex Jones precedent, we're going to use it against the entire nationalist populist uh, population. And, and now we've got... First of two, mother of George Floyd's daughter files $250 million lawsuit against Kanye West for comments on his death. And all he did was say, I've got the coroner's report. We can show you a document camera shot of that. And they said they believe that that might have been part of it because he had an overdose of fentanyl and other drugs in his body. Well, whether Kanye's right or wrong, he has a right to say that. But this is the new Alex Jones precedent. And it's very, very dangerous. And Alex, you can actually see, um, uh, I don't know if that's the same one I had, because I remember the one I posted was circled right at the top, the very first thing that it says on page two of the coroner's report of George Floyd. Again, their report, not Alex Jones, not Jack Posobiec, not Tucker, not Steve Bannon, Charlie Kirk, et cetera. It says no life-threatening injuries. No life-threatening right. injuries. And then there was another piece that if you went back to the actual, um, the actual case, the actual trial, when Eric Nelson, who did a great job, by the way, I thought he did a great job. I think the jury was already in the tank and we know that there was a juror there who was just a BLM activist who actually knew George Floyd's uncle, had been friends with him, just lied his way under the jury, that uh, they came up and said, if you would, they had a medical examiner on the stand, I remember this part, and they said, if you had found George Floyd in his home, right, and he had passed away, and he had this level in the toxicology report of not just fentanyl, by the way, fentanyl, norfentanyl, which is a, thin, as a type of synthetic, and methamphetamine, that cocktail in him, what would, you, would you declare it a, uh, would you declare an overdose? He said, of course, of course, we do it every day. We do it every single day. The only difference here, the only difference 
was Derek Chauvin and that video. But then you go back on that same page that you have, Alex, one broken rib on the front, and it says the only evidence of injury they could find was a broken rib from CPR. And that's exactly what the coroner's report shows. So Kanye West quotes the coroner's report, $250 million lawsuit. And again, what they'll do is they'll tell Kanye, give over all his records, give over everything he's done. He'll do it, even though it has nothing to do with his statement on air. And then the judge and Democrat Party jurisdictions, they've announced this is the plan, will say, you didn't comply, you're defaulted. They'll tell a jury he's guilty of defaming George Floyd, billion dollars. Now, have you seen uh, at all, by the way, the way, because one of the things I've also been pointing out is, so that's how you were treated in that courtroom in Connecticut. But we're also looking now at this trial of Daryl Brooks, where Daryl Brooks, this is the guy, the mass murderer, psychopath, who drove that car into a Christmas parade deliberately, by the way. And we know that he's been Black Hebrew Israelite and the the anti-white rhetoric, all this crazy stuff that obviously was tied into it. He's representing himself the judge, this guy's been stripping in the courtroom. This guy's been uh, just going completely oh, nuts, attacking his own witnesses. He can go on. 45-minute diatribes. Yeah. But I was told by, by my judge in Connecticut, she said, you're already guilty, yes, no, or I don't know, or I'm putting you in jail. So we finally didn't even put on a defense because she said we couldn't talk. I was supposed to sit there like a crash dummy or like a mannequin and say nothing. So threats have admitted they default you using that what they call in Texas, the death penalty sanction that nobody ever uses. That's if you had tax evasion, you owned a house, they caught you dead to rights with fraud, you flee to the Caribbean or you flee to Europe or wherever. And then they still got to have a trial on the damages and decide to take your property. That's if you don't show up. So when they say, well, Jones should have shown up for discovery, they have all the emails, all the text messages, my bank records, they're showing for five weeks in Connecticut but I can't respond to it. They can cherry pick it, manipulate it, lie about it. Uh, it's just insane. I mean, here's an example in Texas, just to illustrate it. They looked at the jury in Texas and they said, Mr. Jones made $61 million in 2021. He put it right in his pocket. Well, no, we grossed $61 million and I made less than a million dollars because we sell product and have all these expenses and legal and satellite right. and bandwidth and all of it. So, so the point is we had sworn declarations in bankruptcy court of how much money he had. That had been given to their financial expert, but their financial expert never covered any of that. He said, I'm worth $400 million total. And so when you look at it, when you go to my net worth online now, it says $400 million. I don't have $2 million in cash. I got a house and a lake house. Both of them are pretty modest compared to most people that are as big as I am on air. So I've never measured myself by money, but they're in for a rude awakening now in my bankruptcy, because that's sworn in federal court and there's no money. So the media spun and said, Jones claims he will not pay the billion dollar judgment. Well, if you have two gallons of blood in you, Jack, and they the court says you've got to give a thousand gallons, it's not that you're denying the 2,000 gallons or the thousand gallons, you don't have the thousand gallons. So where do things stand right now? Um, you, you've said that you're going to go for appeal. Are you pursuing that in all the cases? What are you looking at from your perspective? Where do things go next? Sure. In key jurisdictions, people ask, why do you live in Austin, which is like a communist state, because that's where I've grown up. It's where I live. It's where we started InfoWars. It's where my mom's family from. I grew up in Dallas, but been here since high school. But I, I should move out of the jurisdiction. D.C., New York, and Austin are the three worst leftist-controlled jurisdictions on record. And so 
two Sandy Hook lawsuits in Texas, in, in Travis County, Austin, one in New Haven, Connecticut, where the killing happened, so I don't get a fair trial. And in Texas, it's a $50 million judgment, but it's capped at $5 million, $5 million Still really couldn't pay that, but we were trying to appeal it. We are going to. Connecticut has caps, but it's per defendant. So they're capped at like $4 million, but you've got 15 defendants. So yeah, there were like $90 million to you, $60 million to you, $80 million to you, $40 million to you, almost $1 million. Then there is the... Uh, Punitive damages, the judge decides there's a Tutma uh, false trade thing that she's going to go forward with. It'll probably be $2 million. So it's total overkill. It's a joke. That's why we have bankruptcy. And, and even if my personal debt's not dischargeable in bankruptcy, it doesn't matter. Free speech systems is. And so if I want to keep working here basically for almost no money, I think the deal with the court now is a fraction of being paid. That's fine. I will stay on air because the freedom matters. My crew matters. This infrastructure we built matters. Uh, and so as long as we make it through this current bankruptcy, free speech systems then will pay any profits in a five-year plan to the ambulance chasers, but the profits have only been maybe a million or so a year that went to me. So that's no problem. I've, I've said I'll do it, and I'm going to agree to basically stay here and work here to keep this operation uh, on air and do that. Personally, they'll come after me, but I've got a little lake cabin and then another house and a couple cars. Under Texas law, they can't get... Uh, my main house under homestead law. I never even go to the lake house. They can have it. So they're not going to shut me up. And the lawyers admitted in Texas and Connecticut in press conferences, they said, we don't want the money. We know he doesn't have money. They got my financials. We want to silence him and shut him down. So as long as listeners support InfoWars and buy products and T-shirts and books and films and keep us on air, we will stay on air and we'll be able to finance, which aren't that expensive compared to trials, the Connecticut and Texas case appeals uh, and every lawyer I talk to, top national names say, this was the biggest kangaroo court ever where the judge found you guilty, where they wouldn't let you put on evidence but let the other side do it, all this. It will be overturned or we know the country's gone. I'm a little pessimistic. I think it won't be overturned on appeal because of this corruption unless we take the country back, but that's okay. That's at least two years in Texas and Connecticut, and two years is a million years Well, it's happening political. So today, we're still on air if listeners support us at InfoWarsTour.com and continue to spread the word. And, and quite frankly, the Streisand effect, InfoWars was the biggest thing there was in 2016. Undoubtedly, way bigger than Joe Rogan, bigger than anything. 20, 30, 40 million real listeners a day riding a rocket there. After the platforming crushed us down to our most hardcore fans, still three, four million people a day. But since then, with all of this, we have not gotten back to 2016 numbers, but it's, it's approaching that with the Streisand effect. So... They have actually, it's like the cheesy superhero movies, but it's an archetype, it's true, where somebody gets thrown in radiation or somebody falls in a toxic waste dump or somebody, whatever, that comes out of Superman or, or, or like Deadpool or wherever, where they try to artificially make you mutate and become more powerful. What they've done is actually scary now. When I go out on the street, I used to shake 20 hands before I got one F you. Now I shake 100 hands before I get one F you. I'm getting, people buy my dinner everywhere, we're getting more support than any time. All these liberals I know wow. are apologizing. People see through this billion-dollar garbage. So all glory goes to God and our supporters and folks that defended us like you, Jack Posobiec. But I think it's all these major hitters like you and Steve Bannon and others that have come to our defense realizing that we all hang together, hang separate, that's caused a chain reaction. And it's undoubtedly blown up in their tyrannical censoring faces. Alex, we're coming up on just uh, on the break here in about 10 seconds. But when we come back in the next segment, I want to 
parlay this because it's also translated a little bit into book sales. You've got a new book out called The Great Reset. We're gonna dig into it. Stay tuned. Human events are special. Sit down with Alex Jones. And we're back here at Human Events Daily. We're sitting down with the man, the myth, the legend himself, the one and only Alex Jones, the topic of every conversation lately. Alex, you were just talking in the last segment about how this has really taken your popularity, your, your notoriety, really just your renown. And it's it's broken out that everywhere you're going, people are coming up saying hi to you. 100 handshakes before you get one, you know, one F you. But it's also translated into book sales because you've got the new book out. It's really the number one book in the country, even though the New York Times won't touch it. And I thought what was so interesting in the way that you've you've positioned this, so the book is actually called The Great Reset. But what you're actually saying though is, and the message of the book, it's not just about what Klaus Schwab is telling you is The Great Reset. And I was over there in Davos and his thugs tried to grip us up. They detained us. They put the MP5s in our face, everything else. The World Health, the World Economic Forum Police, you know, or Reuters gets very upset when I say that. It's even though the badge says World Economic Forum Police, you have to say the police assigned to the World Economic Forum. Fact check. Um, they're putting fires. Why are you filming? Stop the camera. Stop the camera. And you know, frist us front and back, all that fun stuff. But you're not just talking about the World Economic Forum. That's a piece of it, obviously. Maybe the head of the snake, but you actually posit that your entire body of work over the last 30 years has really been about combating the Great Reset. Tell us, how does that look like from your perspective? From your perspective? Well, exactly. I mean, you go cover Davos, and they're the spokesperson of the global elite, of the banking cartel, of the corporate fascists that are allied with communist China and others, and there they are, trying to threaten you till you didn't back Which, down. By the way, Alex, just on that piece, uh, uh, on the co allies with communist China, CCP's all over da Davos, all over everything. Ukraine, 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 World War III, that's what they're all talking about. The, the word Taiwan, not even mentioned in a single breakaway session, nothing about Taiwan. That's how you know the elites are there. Absolutely, and, and, and so yes, studying history, studying world leaders, Zbigniew Brzezinski, others, they always talked about this new world order, this global government, this corporate fascist model they would use to shut down their competition, create digital IDs. So I was not that smart. I realized that these top globalists were actually already powerful, were already in charge 30 years ago, and I knew that they were actually trying to set this up. And so for decades, we've been working against them. And when we talk about the World Economic Forum, it's the spokesperson or the, or, or the mouth of this global tyrannical uh, system that, that is literally pushing, cutting off our pipelines, cutting off our energy, dissolving our borders, uh, corporate financing of the sexualization of our children. And, and the great exciting news is, no matter where you are, Sweden or Italy or Brazil or the U.S. or Canada or Australia, the up-and-coming leaders and the people winning major national elections for prime minister and president sound like Jack Posobiec. They, you know, they sound like Steve Bannon. They sound like Alex Jones. And it's not because they're cult members that listen to us and, and repeat what we say like, do they're watching the people running their country saying build back better saying great reset saying they're under klaus schwab's command and klaus schwab bit off more than he could chew bragging and saying we penetrates the cabinets we control half the governments now i mean that's what they were meant to do klaus schwab was the main manager of the bilderberg group and and the, and the wef is just an externalization of that whole hierarchy of corporate fascism, the opposite of capitalism, monopoly capitalist, 
using fascist techniques and communist techniques. Uh, you know, they're very, uh, very uh, libertarian how they use any system they need to get full centralized control. The Holy Grail is a world ID for a world carbon tax with a world social credit score with a world universal basic income where you behave the way we want or we debit your bank account or kill your bank account, just like PayPal just did with the $2,500 fines. No, that was a test run of a social credit score. They said, whoops, sorry, no, we, we, you know, we're just kidding. It wasn't that, okay, but then what happens when it's not even PayPal? Because we see, we can see a merger coming. It's You've got electronic, you've got digital currency that's connected to a central control. So, the, so Bitcoin was always digital currency that's decentralized, no control. That's Satoshi. What we're trying to do is now central bank digital currency. So not only do they have direct control over what you can get in and out of your wallet, they've got direct control over your currency. I mean, they kind of already have this, but with a central bank digital currency, they can ba they're basically just taking the entire Band-Aid off at that point, because when you look at it, what, 99% of US dollars are digital what, as it begins with right now. But what they're doing with that, they can artificially control how much of it there is, where, what the flow of it is, back and forth. And that's what the Saudis and the Chinese and the Russians and the Indians, too, by the way, and the South Africans, they're all pulling out of this saying, you know, we don't want to be part of this. We're setting and that's up the our good own news. system. We're going to do it our way. And that's the good news. You just said people are revolting because even the Bank of England said this year, oh, yeah, we're going to program the token and decide where you can spend it, when, and how much value it'll have day to day. So think of the surveillance of this. It's not that I have anything to hide, but it's none of their business how many steaks I bought or if I bought a bottle of, uh, you know, a bottle of whiskey or, or, you know, whether, and I don't even do this, but whether I went to Vegas or whatever to go gamble, it's none of their business. And this is literally the end of privacy. How many, how many guns you purchased? How many guns you purchased? Uh, everything. I mean, I mean, let's talk about it. They're going to use everything you do against you. And, and imagine, again, people say, well, I don't care if I have privacy, I have nothing to hide. Folks, you lock your doors at night, not because you have something to hide. You have something to protect. You have you have windows on your house to keep the air conditioning in and the mosquitoes out. You don't have screen doors because you're a terrorist. You have it because it's your house. You're controlling the environment. And if they control the the privacy, if they control the currency, they control you. Right. That's sort of, no, Alex, you, you mentioned something about up and coming politicians and how there is this new wave that's going on. But I want to talk about and, and, and we'll, we'll bridge this over, you know, depending how it is, because I got to pick your brain about this while I have you on, is that we used to have this. There was another way that they would control up and coming politicians or elites, uh, financiers. Harvey Weinstein's in the news again, saying that he had a consensual affair with the wife of Gavin Newsom when she was up and coming. We're also hearing that, which I mean, that's California in one sentence right there, basically. Mm. You know, that's Hollywood. That's all of it. But Jeffrey Epstein. So the and not just Jeffrey Epstein as the person or Ghislaine Maxwell as the person, but what I've always said that is, and, and what you've always said this, that was, that was an intelligence community backed blackmail operation controlling the elites or elites who didn't want to play ball. That was a way to always have something to hang over. It's called brownstoning. That was a way to have something hang over them. And my question is, if you're looking at the great reset, okay, Epstein's off the playing field, but what's going on now? Are we just supposed to expect that those networks, which were never rolled up, aren't playing some role in this today currently? Well, what you're saying is just exactly 101 of intelligence. It's gone on for thousands of years. 
and it's been currently codified for several hundred. And it was Ian Fleming, who was high-level OSS and like number three in command at MI6 that wrote the James Bond books that became the James Bond movies. And you'll see like the U.S. and Russia and China being played off by Spectre that has agents in all three groups manipulating for Spectre's power. And that's exactly what the Davos group or Bilderberg is. And, and Fleming gave interviews saying, no, what I talk about in my books and movies is what I really saw. There's these criminal mafia elements or secret society elements that are involved at every level. And so when you look at, people say, is it CIA? Is it Mossad? Is it MI6 that ran Jeffrey Epstein? It was all three. Because at that higher level of actual blackmail and sex ops, and, and you know not sex ops to infiltrate some Islamic group or sex ops to infiltrate you know, some other group at, at a mid-level. That definitely goes on with honeypots. But when it's politicians and world leaders, that's not authorized by regular Mossad or MI6 or CIA. It's breakaway networks with Ghislaine Maxwell's dad on record running the major British network that liaison with the Israelis, liaison with the Europeans, liaison with the U.S., higher levels to basically go out while at the same time providing prostitutes for the elites which they ran as international brothels where the people going there knew they were part of it and it wasn't a honeypot. But for everybody else, when the hookers weren't being used or, or the sex slaves, underage kids weren't being used, they were then being given to these operatives to go out and honeypot people or brownstone folks. And so one trillion percent, that's what Harvey Weinstein was involved in, the Nexium cult. All these are just break-off group feeders uh, into these larger systems of compromise where they compromise the highest levels, the British royal family, and with Jimmy Savelle and the rest of it, and then they move down to your local sheriff, your local police chief. He thinks some hot-looking 20-year-old hit on him at the Burger King or the Whataburger or the McDonald's. He gets her in the car, learns she's 16 a day later, but don't worry. They get a knock on the door by some people that are with an agency. They don't really say who, but don't worry, Sheriff Brown or Sheriff Johnson or Sheriff Sanchez, we're going to work with you and we're going to, we're going to take care of this. That's why I went public three years ago when I got sent child porn, tons of it in hidden images. Then we got deposed. They demanded all our raw emails. We give it to them unopened. They find the hidden links to child porn and they link and they reach out and they go, we don't want to make a big deal about this. We want to work with you right now. We're not going to talk about this child porn in public. I went right on air and talked about it the minute it happened because I never opened it. I didn't send it. And then instantly headlines, Jones sends child porn to Sandy Hook family. So you can make of it what you will, but I smelled it for what it was. And I immediately outed it because I wasn't going to sit there and go, oh, please don't say I didn't open emails. And then unopened emails had child porn in them that, again, they specifically demanded in depositions. They specifically subpoenaed, and then they found hidden links in there that with metadata scans they went and found. I'm not saying they were involved in it. Of course not. These are good people. These are loving Democrats. But the point is, this is how these people operate. No, you're exactly right. And the, the, the ability to do that digitally now, it, it takes away so much of the, the ability. For, because when we look at it, right, that's the crime. And they've got you by the crime, then they've got the email, then they say you transmitted because you forwarded the email, even though that's in, you know embedded in all this other stuff. You see there's viruses, you see there was phishing, everything else. You can embed this code, by the way. When you see a little email attached to the end of, an, of a, uh, you know, or the images attached to the end of an email, you know, that could have child porn embedded within the code of the email. Exactly. I send you a Kanye West article out, out of Houston News, yeah. Yeah. and, and it's a little link real. you don't even open, and, it, and, and, and it's there. 
Yeah, if you click download the images, well, you just downloaded the image and now you've downloaded it. We're coming up on our next break, Alex. Um, but in the next segment, I want to get into how all of this is coming together, how your book plays a role in it, and what is coming up next for our society and what people really need to pay attention to. Stay tuned. We'll be coming back with the one and only Alex Jones. We're back here, segment three. Alex Jones, The Sit Down. The website is InfoWars. The book is The Great Reset. Alex, we were, we were just talking about how they use these brownstoning operations, but how it's actually moved digitally now to the sense where they're just sending people files that they don't even know about. It's almost they, they don't even need the full-on Jeffrey Epstein-level operations in order to compromise people. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about the compromise. It's about having actionable intelligence or actionable evidence against you that they can use in court. They hang it over your head and they say, we will control you now. You have to be done for. Now, Look, when, when I look out on the world stage, uh, I see people like Putin, I see Zelensky, I see Biden, Elon Musk even. People are talking about World War III. People are talking about we have to go to the threat of nuclear war, whether or not we agree if we don't go along with whatever the latest current thing is, whatever the funding in Ukraine is. I hear people, they're saying they're losing hope. I hear people saying this is terrible. I also hear people thinking that it's not real. That, uh, you know, oh, a nuclear war, it'll never come to that. They're not even realizing there was a something I saw on the Internet where some guy was saying he was explaining to his girlfriend about, uh, you know, what intercontinental ballistic missiles were. And then she turns to him and says, wow, do you ever think that we'd be able to invent something like that? And I said, you know, we've, you know, we've had that we, we've had these things for years and years. That's what mutually assured destruction is. But they want you to forget that we have this on the table. Biden acts like it doesn't even exist. So. Which is it, right? Which is it? Are we at a point now where people should lose all hope whatsoever? Is this train completely so far down the track that we can't stop it? Or can we put the brakes on? What say you? Well, I think we're, we're at the major inflection point where it's a crossroads and a decision. But we see a global awakening with populist and nationalist and capitalist and, and, and pro-human people being elected all over the world. And that means the global establishment, these out-of-control corporations that are monopolistic, are very upset. That's why they're trying to hold the world with nuclear blackmail uh, unless we accept the new global digital currency, unless we go along with what they want, they're going to throw us uh, into nuclear war. Everywhere, we see the major signs of, of awakening. And, and so I want people to have faith and know your voices are more heard than ever. I mean, take Tulsi Gabbard's. She just left... Yep. The Democratic Party, she said the Democrats are a power-mad cult of warmongers, which is totally true. And we have more and more Republicans getting elected that are populist and, and just common sense. And so we're in a paradox where people are waking up, but that makes the establishment even more dangerous. And so everybody needs to be more engaged than ever. Obviously, nuclear war is a very real threat. I'm no fan of Putin. I'm, I'm a big, big enemy of Xi Jinping. Uh, but at the same time, we have to pull back and realize that what's happening with Russia is being used as a political diversion uh, by people that know they've lost control at home and who think the threat of nuclear war is the only thing that will bring us back under their control. But instead of it working, we see all the numbers. I see national polls, 80-plus percent of Americans, no matter what color they are, what sex they are, what Democratic Party, Republican Party, they are against this war. And so I see people like Trump 
and and others, you, know, you and myself and others, embracing that reality that we have to be the anti-war folks because the truth is Soros and the globalists overthrew Ukraine eight years ago. They moved weapons up against Russia's border. Doesn't mean we support what Russia's doing. Doesn't mean we're idiots and, and naive and useful idiots and think Russia's the answer and Russia's our leader and Russia are perfectly good people. They're not, but it's the globalist left that's waging war against Russia, waging war against America. They're not just blowing up Nord Stream 2, they're shutting off the Keystone. And so once we come back to that realization, uh, it's game over. But I'm seriously concerned about the deep state staging cyber attacks and blaming Russia. They've really been pre-positioning that, pre-programming that. I'm really concerned about them provocateuring some white supremacist attacks with 21 days left of the election. I mean, people need to know that, yes, we're winning intellectually. We're winning culturally. We are turning the tide. The pendulum's swinging back. But... What will the power structure do out of desperation to try to freeze that pendulum? For me, that's the biggest question. So when you ask about these different power structures and you look at it's Putin, China, the U.S., this sort of the, the globalist left that really is in the driver's seat. And, you know, I was actually looking and I went through some of your, re your recent episodes, even uh, this question of Elon Musk. Right. And he's an interesting kind of character to psychoanalyze from from a distance. You know, some people say, okay, he just sucks up to the left. Yeah, he's sucking up to the right. He sucks up to the CCP. Okay. But he also seems like he's making some moves on his own, right? A little bit of independent activity. What is your take? Is he just somebody who's sucking up to them? Or does he realize that he actually has influence in this game as well? Well, I'll give you some inside baseball because it's time to put this out, Jack. And your show's so huge. This is the place to do it. Obviously, I know some of the biggest podcasters in the world. And Elon Musk lives most of the time here in Austin, right by one of those podcasters. And I was told two years ago at dinner, Elon Musk is really fully awake and hates the new world order and believes in a pro-human future. He's had to play ball with him to get to where he's at, but you're about to see him really go wild. I said, I'll believe it when I see it. And so before, is he good, is he bad, was kind of a question the jury was out. But as yeah. he does more and more, says, don't trust these shots, and as he says, we need a pro-human future. And as he says, we shouldn't have censorship. And as his text messages come out in the Twitter lawsuit that he wants to unseat the leftist cabal uh, and, and, you know, and, and how they're the main authoritarian threat, which the Unabomber, by the way, wrote in the mid-1990s. I was rereading re his manifesto, not endorsing him, but, you know, people really realize the threat's the left. And, and so as well, I see Kaczynski, that— by the way, who, who was in an early form of the MKUltra experiments? CIA, MKUltra, absolutely. Yeah. Theodore Kaczynski. So— so before, two years ago, Elon Musk is a balance. I'm, the jury's out. But right now, the fact he's a good guy, he, Jesus said you judge a tree by its fruits. Right now that he's a good guy is overwhelming. Obviously, he played ball to get electric cars made. Obviously, he played ball to get in the positions he's been in. We know he was given the keys to NASA, the secret space program. I'm going to leave it at that. So I'm sitting there with dinner with this person, and he said, oh, by the way, uh, Jack Dorsey's a big fan of yours and didn't want to ban you, but the shareholders took over. And I said, yeah, right. And they said, let me show you the text messages. And it was like, Alex Jones is always right. He's my guru. I think he's amazing. I'm not trying to say this to impress people. This I was shown this, okay, by one of the top people. Let's just leave it at that. 
And then later I got contacted. Well, people, people forget that, that the left actually used, the anti-war left used to love you. They put you in movies. They put you in Scanner Darkly with Keanu Reeves. Uh, it used to be the, sort of this like hipster thing. Like, oh yeah, I listen to InfoWars. I listen to Alex Jones. Because back then you were anti-Bush. Back then you were anti-war on terror. You haven't changed on any of those positions. Oh, exactly. You go back and watch any old Alex Jones. It's the same stuff. In the last two years of Obama's administration, and not bragging, human intelligence, you know, it's its all over the place. They sent a high-level CIA guy to meet with me. He said, listen, Obama likes you. He cares about you. Just stop attacking him. Come on board. Come to us, you know, to New York. Also, I had the Rothkop, uh, the head of the Kissinger Group, reach out in front of my crew and say the same thing. I know they've done it to you, Jack. They do it to everybody. They try to absorb everybody. But but, but exactly. But, but it's not about me. I just want folks to understand, you asked Elon Musk question. Right. That... I can't say everything at this point, but when you actually get told directly by these people, and I'll leave it at that, when you directly have dinner with these people, and I'm not going to say Elon Musk, but I'll just leave it at that, and they tell you to your face, no, no, we know you're right, and we actually want a pro-human future. If people want brain chips, we're going to sell it to them. That's free market, right, Alex? I'm like, yeah, people want it. They're an adult. Get it. Great. We're libertarians. We want to just do whatever, but we do not want communism. We do not like monopolies. We do not like the CCP. Are you on board? And I'm just like, wow, this is the next level of this. So I, I don't, I'm not getting orders from anybody. I'm not getting directives from anybody. I have just had a lot of these high level people in the last two years reach out. They started with that meeting two years ago. And then since then saying, watch what we do. You'll believe us once we do it. And I got to say, I don't see how it helps the old entrenched globalists what Elon Musk and all these other big guys are doing. I'm not going to name names. I don't see how that helps the globalists. So I, I, I think a lot of elites have realized this path of the new world order, neoliberalism allied with the CCP is destructive. And I think that's why the globalists are so panicked right now, because there's not just an awakening in the masses of people. There's an awakening in elites from Google to you name it, uh, to Elon Musk that do not want to be part of this. And so I think that's where we are. And they, they they try to use me as a sounding board. Like, I actually know the answers. I don't. I know what they know. I, I've studied history, but I'm no smarter than you or Steve Bannon. But but I can tell you, and I'm sure you've been reached out to, that some of the biggest names in the world are actively trying to create another alternative to the globalist controlled collapse of Gen 2030 world government nuclear war, which makes a lot of sense to me. Well, no, and, and, and you hear some of this, too, because it's also a question of influence, right? Because they realize they're not going to, to be able to influence the CCP. They're not going to be able to influence Xi Jinping. And you've heard people for years, oh, it's going to collapse the factions. Jiang Zemin is going to come into No, none of that's going to happen. Xi Jinping has total control of the CCP. And it was, the, the goal was always this, right? We outsource, the we outsource the energy to the Middle East. We outsource manufacturing to the CCP, to East Asia. We bring in labor, agriculture. That's all going to be through, you know, it was NAFTA. We're going to bring that through the open borders. Now all that's out the window because they realized that the systems become more powerful than the elites themselves. And so suddenly they got to realize, wait a minute, we have this global empire, but we don't actually control it anymore. Exactly. I read on an airplane like a year and a half ago, a five-page, I mean, full-page Washington Post article, and it wasn't their normal propaganda. I forget the headline, but it was about Xi Jinping. And he just had that big security meeting for a week at a hotel, and Xi Jinping announced, I'm going to take out Google, Facebook, all the big people. We're not going to let any of these corporate elites rule anymore. We're going to take them over. And I think these guys finally got the clue 
that they need nation states and they need freedom for wealth and generation, and they're not as arrogant as they used to be. They're not as hateful of the lifeboat of a free republic as they were before when they're pushed up against Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and the rest of it. No, because they, they've hit the wall themselves and realized that, you know, sure, all this stuff works as long as everybody else agrees with it, too. Right. But you got the CCP that's going back to tried and true mercantilism. By the way, the same mercantilism that you would have seen from the British Empire from early on, the early stage of the American Empire after World War II. They, they didn't start this. We were the ones who dropped it. We were the ones who said, we're not going to act like a nation state anymore. We're going to merge everything together into this, this global synthesis of a globalized, homogenized system. Now, finally, there's some aspect of the elites and, and maybe just maybe like to your point that Elon Musk is someone that's kind of cluing into this. Alex, we're coming up on another break. But for the in the last segment, I've got some interesting questions for you. and I think you're going to like it. Stay tuned, everybody. Alex Jones. So we are back. Final segments here. Alex Jones and Alex, everybody has you on. They say, hey, Jack, oh, you know. Talk to Alex. I did a telegram thing. And, you know, what, what should I ask Alex? I said, ask him about the, you know, the lawsuit. Ask him about the, the machine elves. Ask him about DMT. Ask him about, uh, you know, all this stuff. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, ask him about the Illuminati. So, sure, sure. We've heard Alex Jones talk about that. But I, I had a different question. Because I want to ask Alex Jones about Alex Jones. And nobody ever asked that stuff. So, Alex, the, the first question, and for me, coming as, as a, a traditionalist Catholic what role, if any, does, does faith play? You mentioned Jesus a lot. You do. And you mentioned the Bible. You reference the Bible. People don't realize, you know, maybe they don't pay attention that you do that all the time because they always hear little, you know, media matter snippets of you. What role does faith play in, in not only your life, but in your family life? Well, I don't claim to be a pastor or some ordained person or be holier than thou. In fact, I'm a sinner. And, and I actually have a, a great understanding of evil because I'm fallen in evil. But I 100% do everything I do because of God and the Holy Spirit. And I love Catholics. I love uh, Protestants. It's just not about the, or, the, you know, the organization. It's about a relationship with Christ. And you judge a tree by its fruits, as I said earlier. Uh, and so everything I do is based on that. I was raised a Christian. I've always loved God. I'd say I got saved about eight or nine, had the Holy Ghost experience. Kind of got a little wild when I was a teenager. But as I intellectually research things, and study the globalist every time it came right back to raw evil, the attack on the family, the attack on God's plan, the attack on free will. God gave us free will. God gave us this planet. God gave us our wives and our husbands and our children and our grandparents and our brothers and sisters. God gave us the trees and the ocean and dominion. That wasn't the devil. The devil pretends to be in control. And, and, and so this is a fight between good versus evil. There's God's architecture that is divine and 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 perfect. We have to get in alignment with that. That's a process. We've been given free will. We're God's children. We have to learn. It's like a baby being given, you know, paints. They're going to get them all over the house, but later, they, you know, they become Picasso. And, and so my guiding light, my impetus, everything I am is driven by a rage against Satanism and corruption and the things that happen. That doesn't mean I don't smoke a cigar or drink whiskey or cuss sometimes. That's the church is controlled and tells you that's devilish. No, devilish is not fighting drag queen story time. Devilishness is not fighting World War III. Devilishness is being a coward and submitting to evil. And, and I'm not defending my sins. I want to just say when it comes to the issues, I'm pointed right at God. 
And that's why the enemy hates me so much, because I am a follower of Christ 100%. And whenever I'm under attack and, and bad things are happening, I'll just go, I love God. I love God. I love God. And it just, it's just this thing comes out of me. I, I love you, God. Help me. And, and I'm always given the discernment. I'm always given the way out. And it's not because I'm smart. I'm weak, but I can connect spiritually as a transceiver to the creator of the universe, and that connects me to the divine. And that's the most important thing. And not fighting evil dampens my connection. So with me, everything is like a heat-seeking missile goes after the engines of a helicopter or a jet. I'm the same way. I'm going after where God wants to go, and so that's why I've got discernment, understanding, and beyond the enemy's understanding is because I'm simply chasing the Holy Ghost, trying to get closer to God, trying to get out of my sin because it feels so good to get close to Christ, and so that's my secret. Yeah, one, I remember there's a one uh, clip of you that somebody sent me the other day where you said, you thank God for the animating contest of liberty that's been handed to you and handed to us throughout this entire generation, because God does give us challenges in order for us to overcome them, doesn't he? Absolutely, and the more you do it, the more it gets more, it gets more and more intense until it's just, it's beyond anything. I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's like being in the presence of God, like I am right now, just talking about God puts me closer to it, and it's just like I'm in awe, and I, and I look at the Satanists, what they're doing, I'm just, I can't believe they're doing it, and I realize your job's to stop that. And if that means you get destroyed, it's not even, a, it's not even I can care less. People are like, how are you handling this? How's it going? Damn good. Because it's the old World War II statement. Both my grandfathers in the Army Air Corps, both of them almost died fighting Hitler. That's why I get mad at the ADL calling me a Nazi. But they knew they didn't have radar back then. You know, the British had a little bit of, it wasn't in Europe. They steered into the flat because that's where the factories were to bomb. And so for me, the more I'm under attack, it, it, it's not a masochism. I don't like pain. I don't like attacks, but it, no, it's a satisfaction that transcends the attacks and the physical pain. So a physical pain's terrible, and the attacks are terrible, and the attacks of the family, and you don't like it. But at the same time, up at the higher spiritual level, it's like, man, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Well, and that's that's that gets into you you know the the belief of of purification, right? That, that that's that's your sin, that's your uh, everything that you must atone for being purified. You're being purified, yourself, your soul, your body, your spirit. That's all being purified by going through that process in order for the glory of God. In order to exactly. do that, exactly. The worse it gets, like we don't like the pain, but we do because it's being burned away. Exactly. The deeper you get in the fight, the closer you are to God, and the more the evil's burned away. Alex, uh, so we've got about five minutes left. I want to remind everyone, the book is Great Reset. If you haven't bought it yet, I know everyone in America is reading it, but you've got to get this book. But Alex, another question that, that I wanted to ask, and uh, you know, people are starting to do this more and more, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask you this before. What kind of advice would you give to, you know, put politics aside right now, you know, the, the news of the day, the lawsuits, but just young men out there, because I feel there's so much advice that young men are not getting. They look at people who have been successful, successful in life, successful in health, successful in, in spirituality, but they're, they're so broken and they're so miserable. What advice would you give to young men today in this world? I would tell young men, uh, read a, a, a historical book about George Washington or read one about uh, historical things, or, or read the Bible. Don't just go to church, but read the writings of Christ, but also realize that you've got to, so many young people, because parents are bad and I'm bad too, we, we spoil our kids, 
go out and work in a lumber yard for six months, go out and work on a farm for a year, uh, go get your 18-wheeler license and drive trucks for five years. And just the act, because luckily I was able to do a lot of these things, just by, by, it was those, it was those basic things working in a restaurant, basic things driving a truck, basic things working on a farm or a ranch. You have to get back to nine to five, busting your ass, doing what your boss says, subserving yourself in a mission like boot camp does it, you know, four, six weeks instead of, you know, five years. And you're not going to get that at a university. And, 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 and so the biggest thing is don't expect you're going to save the world right away. Learn to go out and to organize your stuff, to get your life together. And I'm not perfect now. I'm out of shape, but try to get in physical shapes. One of the bigger things, discipline. And then when you're researching information, it won't depress you while you're getting trained, while you're working, while you're learning a skill as an electrician or an exterminator or whatever, or a carpet cleaner, whatever job it is you go do for six months a year, that will give you the basic training to learn how once you go into resisting tyranny to apply those same those same things to it. And don't ever feel like you're not valuable because you're driving a crappy old car or because you're living in a crappy apartment. You got to kill cockroaches at midnight. I've done that too. Your connection to God is pure treasure and realize you've got to come from nowhere to go somewhere. Anybody given everything is destroyed. So for people that have had too much, humble yourself. For people that have nothing, don't let it put you down and feel like you're nobody. Your connection to the creator is everything. And there's plenty of missions now as evil ramps up its attack God is waiting for you to get yourself together and take action. So I would just say discipline, hard work, commitment, and not being a victim and not feeling sorry for yourself and, 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 and getting past all that is the number one thing for young men. And to transcend and say, God, I am weak. I can't do all this. Pray every night, every day for 20, 30 minutes. God, help me be strong. Help me show you what you want me to do. Give me your mission. And then you're going to feel all these things and see all these things and unlock all these archetypes God put in you. And don't expect you're going to implement that right away. Don't go crazy because that can happen. Just, just take it slow and let the Holy Spirit guide you. And it's a whole new adventure. Right. And, and you see this in the same way that they take, try to take away our own history. This is why they go after the the they go after the cowboys who founded the, the West, who conquered the West. They go after the pioneers. They go after Columbus. They go after Magellan. They go after the founding. All of it. Right. Those were stories that I remember hearing when I was 12 years old, 13 year old, reading those books and saying, this is amazing. I wish I could do something like that. I want to go on an adventure like that. I want to face the world. I want to face the universe. I want to do something like that but they strip it away from you and they replace it with what Netflix and the Marvel cinematic universe at Disney and all this stuff. And it's all hollow and it's all fake. Exactly. Don't live through the Marvel universe. If, if, if going to the nursing home and reading books to old people when their family doesn't visit them or taking your dog as a comfort pet to old people, if you go three, four days a week and, and, and feed soup to old people that nobody cares about, you will get spiritual treasure out of that a trillion times better than Hollywood. And that's what I'm saying is you've got to serve people and it's going to be in service. that young men and women are going to find power. And I know you're not looking for power, but people expect this instant thing and it's going to be service that is going to empower you. Service that's going to empower. Alex, we've got about 90 seconds left. Do you have any saved rounds that you want to let everybody know? Uh, what are you looking at when you come from, from our situation, from your situation, about where we're going, the final moments here on the show? 
I just hope everybody doesn't give up and realize we're having the greatest awakening ever. I hope people will get the book, The Great Reset. The audio book's out now. All I care about is it getting out to people, The Great Reset and the War for the World. And, and Jack, I hope you'll come on my show. You're doing a great job. You know, the work you've done is just next level. And I, and I just am really buoyed and empowered to see the great work you're doing because, you know, we need more people on the battlefield that are really having a big effect. And, and so when I go to sleep at night, I really feel good that Jack Posobiec has always, for the years I've known you, been an amazing uh, spirit in the fight for liberty, but you've just really exploded and blossomed. And so you're a great asset for all of us that love freedom and God bless you. Thank you so much, Alex. And, and you know, for folks who don't know, Alex, you, you know, you've always been someone to, to help give me a voice from the beginning. You've always been there to have my back. And that's why I will always be there to have yours thick and thin to say, you know what, this is not about one person. This is not about one, uh, one fight. This is about liberty and freedom and connection to God for all people, period. That's what it's about. And I am not going to cancel somebody over anything when it comes to that. Amen. God bless you, Alex. Know that we're praying for you. We're praying for the family. Jack, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission. Lay ashore.